Down Under rolls on, as does your favourite cycling podcast, We Are The Domestiques. And we don't stop for anyone. And that being the case, we are committed to supplying an episode every day during the running of Australia's Premier Cycle Tour. And that wasn't the case earlier this week, but we gave you our our explanation yesterday. So welcome to another jam-packed episode. The noise you hear behind me is coming to you from the foyer of the Hilton Adelaide, which is a major sponsor of the Tour Down Under. I'm Mike Tomolaris. It's great to have you along, as always, from wherever you're listening around planet Earth. And really, it's been a dramatic day at the Tour Down Under. Let's start with uh, with what happened today. It's somewhat of a sad day, really, for Australian cycling's favourite son, our favourite son, yes. Luke Platt, who was involved in a horror crash on a fast descent in the final kilometres of today's Stage 3. Before we talk about that, I want to remind you that we have a very special guest join us. But before I build I build up our very special guest, let's first welcome our regular panel, Matilda Reynolds. Hi team, thanks for having me. Lee Hollywood-Turner. Hi Michael. And I want to get your first impressions regarding Luke Plapp's uh, horrible crash today. Yeah, I actually tuned in for the race for the last sort of 10k and I know that gorge because that was when I was off the front on stage one, quite vividly. <laughs> um, and so everyone could see how difficult it was. But uh, yeah, I saw that crash and it seemed like just the whole of Astana came down. Um, and we were like, oh, that's a shame, but you know, no one I know and, and it sort of moved on. But then Phil Liggett actually, and I give him credit, sometimes you think Phil's eyesight not sure about, but Phil Liggett. He said, look, I'm concerned. I think I saw a yellow bike under that. And there was worry and concern, but the race moved on very quickly. And we, one, unfortunately didn't see the crash because of an ad break, and two, didn't know what happened until we see Luke Platt come in minutes down. And then after that, you see the horror photo of his entire body being cheese grated on the road. Yeah, it's a, it's such a tough sport. One week you're on top of the world, you're the world, the Australian champion riding across victory with your teammate, and then a week later you're under four Astana riders with your back missing. It is just so sad. And I saw the images on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and it, it just looks brutal. I've heard that he probably won't start tomorrow. There's no point in starting. Like, what is the point? It is just, it looks like a Burns victim. It's just really sickening. I really feel for Luke and his custom bike. All right, more in just a moment, but let me remind you that Domestiques is brought to you by our great sponsors, Honan Insurance Group. Remember that name, Honan Insurance Group. If you're looking for a good deal, it may be for a boat. It may be for a bike, a gravel bike. We'll be talking gravel in just a moment. It may be for your house, jewellery, banknotes. You name it, the good people at Honan will look after you. We can't dismiss our other sponsors. If you're into cycling, and I'm sure you are, otherwise you probably wouldn't be listening to the Domestiques, make sure that you sign up with Audbinet. They can secure your financial wealth. And last but not least, if you're looking for the best in cycling apparel, you can't go past the best in the business, the Black Sheep brand. 
And you're wearing their shorts today. Yes, I'm wearing their Matilda. What are these shorts I'm wearing today from Black Sheep? Oh, the Sheep? flex shorts. I think you've flex got shirt. on there. They're, 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 I'm, not, I'm not joking because you know I'm honest. They are super comfy. And I don't wear cycling apparel off the bike, but these are cool. They don't look like, like you know, people who rock around the street at night wearing Oakleys. Mm. Horrible. <laughs> so these these are really comfortable. So I'm, thank I'm, you, Black Sheep. I've never seen you in black. The black oh, no, color. they're navy blue. Oh, navy okay. Blue, navy blue. Just a question, Mike. This is serious. Someone asked me today what Ord Minette do. And I said, I'm going to ask Mike tonight on the podcast and he'll tell us. It's the Financial Wealth Management Group. My finances, my future financially is secure. I get paid by Ord Minette through my superannuation that I've built up over 34 years at my former employer through Ord Minette. It's a financial management group. Thank you. And they look after cyclists of my ilk. I'm 60 plus. I'm not afraid to tell people of my age. 40. How I'm old 40, are you? I'm 40. I'm 40. Bullshit. <laughs> I'm 40. Well, time to introduce our very special guest. He started life on a bike as a roadie. Can you believe it? They got sick of that pretty quickly. But it didn't take long for our special guest to find his niche on the mountain bike. He's dominated most disciplines in the dirt or the mountain bike world, whether it be at cyclocross, four cross, cross country level. He's won championships at national, Oceania, and world level. He's an absolute legend. These days, since his premature retirement, I think he's retired. Our special, retired. <laughs> our special guest holds a microphone and performs in front of a TV camera making programs. Ladies and gentlemen, an honorary member of the Domestics, may I welcome Paul Vanderplume. Thank you, thank you, Tom. I told you it was going to be a big build-up. Oh, it was a big build-up. And I have to clarify, I definitely started on the dirt. My oldest brother raced at the Mountain Bike World Championships in 2001, and then I followed in his footsteps in 2006. So I was definitely a mountain biker. I got distracted by the road, got bored of it, Hollywood, and then went back to the mountain bike. You're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> no, I know. I might have just... I'm, Listeners, I might just check out. I might go to the bar. No, don't check out. Because <laughs> I'm not interested in gravelings for hippies. I don't want to hear about all this rubbish they're going to talk about. So I'm just no, going no, to sit no, to the no, bar. No, stay with us. Okay, because... I got some road facts. Oh, good. Right. Sam Wellsford and I, teammates, actually, in 2013 on Saddlers Giants. Oh, Saddlers Giants. So he was a young, young teenager, and he was, always, he was always a raw talent, but now he's getting sort of getting carved into this juggernaut of sprinting at two-state TDU so far. Well, the reason why we brought you on is because the TDU is breaking new ground by introducing this new gravel event called Rattle Gravel. Yes, they've sort of missed a few vowels in there. What do you mean by that? Well, the Rattle Gravel, they're sort of, yeah, abbreviating words. Yeah, well, it's the brainchild. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it the brainchild of Tiffany Cromwell and her Formula One partner? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I was riding with a Formula One champion, Valtteri Bottas, today, and uh, he was just wearing budgie smuggles. So the shakedown ride was just a bit of fun, riding from the event village at the TDU out to um, the beach, and then everyone jumped in the water, got some uh, sort of cooling recovery before, I think the main event's 106 kilometres, is it, tomorrow? With yeah, 2,000 metres of climbing. Yeah, it's a really tough event, so I think Tiff's... St- Tiff has stitched up here. She's created a course that suits herself, as you would. Like the cricketers create a pitch that suits their bowlers. Tiff's done the same. But, yeah, the, it's a part of um, 
a gravel series that they're creating along with Amy um, Charity who's the head of Steamboat Gravel and, and so I've done, I've raced Steamboat in Colorado uh, and this is a part of the same event uh, organisation uh, over there as well and then there's also one in um, Valtteri's hometown in Finland so yeah she's got a lot going on but look they're, they're extremely clever and commercial and you know they have a lot of products that they can flog and uh, they're doing a great job whilst also racing both individually at the highest level of their sport. Well, despite what uh, Hollywood says, and it's no coincidence that the gravel scene is, has grown in the last, uh, well, five years, I'd say. Would you agree? Yeah, well, we didn't even know what gravel meant five years ago. It was sort of um, this, we, we knew what cyclocross was. I raced cyclocross in Australia a fair bit, but then gravel was, was something that anyone did. But I think it's it's a cool thing that's got people off the roads a little bit. Hollywood won't like this, but you're away from traffic. You get to experience nature in a completely different way. You can open up so many different possibilities of where you can train and ride. You're not restricted to the tarmac. And uh, I think people are just here to have a bit of fun. Like, I'm actually just going to go tomorrow and chat to people out on the road, stop at the aid stations, fill up the water bottles, whereas the serious people will be running camelbacks and large amounts of water strapped to their bikes so they don't have to stop. So it's a very tactical event. There's a fair bit of prize money up for grabs. Not that I'm bothered checking. Mate, I haven't really bothered checking. I just need to get to the end. But uh, no, I think, uh, Mike, so we're about five years behind the US in this scene and all of the bike brands, it, the future for them is all about gravel. Um, Hollywood's in the past. We know that. Um, the future has moved past him and uh, all of the bike brands, uh, you know, that what we will see over the next few years come out is just more and more different style of off-road gravel bikes. And also because whilst it is so difficult to organise events now on the road, due to marshalling, road safety, Traffic the cost is enormous. You can go onto gravel and just go ask a couple of farmers, can they ride through your paddock and keep all the profits? So it really, you know, I've said it here before, but we're going to see in years to come, the NRS will turn into a gravel series. Tills, I totally believe you. And not that I'm a gravel lover. I mean, I've all, I grew up watching road events. I grew up loving the Tour de France, uh, the, um, the multi-day uh, road events, uh, the professional peloton, but you look at the uh, scene in Australia and there are so many gravel events that have popped up. I've listed them here. Gears and Beards at Wagga Wagga, the Dirty Warning in Victoria, the Devil's Cardigan in Tasmania, the Seven Gravel Event in Nanup in Western Australia, and incidentally, Nanup in WA is hosting the 2026 Gravel World Championships. That's a big coup for Australia, isn't it? Oh, it's massive. I was out in Nanup filming Trail Towns TV show and we rode some of the seven cores. So they've got big amounts of vertical that they add up with these small climbs. So you get like three and a half thousand, four thousand metres of climbing over the course. It really sorts out field and world-class athletes will win there. Benny, tell me, because um, you're a, a, a great ambassador for Ride High Country, one of the, um, and, and uh, Launceston in Derby are the same. There have been a couple of towns and areas throughout Australia who have really adopted both gravel and mountain biking and now have become probably one of the biggest drivers of tourism uh, you know and, and in Launceston's case actually saved the town and it's like you know a destination now for Derby talking about oh, Derby, sorry, Derby, Derby yeah. Uh, just, yeah just out of Launceston yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think the um, increase in tourism and visitation that they get from building these mountain bike parks has proven to be hugely successful Derby's an old tin mining town no one would go there you could buy a house that was fairly run down for twenty thousand dollars now houses are a million dollars so the increase in that sort of uh, appeal in that town is 
only Derby almost become a ghost town. But thanks to, uh, what's his name, Buck from Queensland. Oh, there's a lot of people. A lot of people were involved in uh, producing, creating these, what, 50 trails? Oh, there's, uh, there's over 150 kilometres of trails. The town, like you say, is booming. Restaurants, cafes, accommodation, you name it. It's, it's gone from down there to up here but in, in a short space country, of time. Like, we've, we've been both at uh, Beachwork where they hold several gravel events throughout the year. We've been with Rich Road Brewers, but they have... Um, the Beechworth Granite Classic and they don't even block timing it. Like it's a gravel event where you just ride with your mates, you stop at the feed stations, you'll have activations like a person playing a, a electric guitar or ten drum kits through this tunnel of drummers. Spirit of gravel then spirit of gravel. Just trying to see just trying to be having a bit of fun and it, it makes people excited. Like my wife went and rode there and she just had the most fun riding around, talking to people. You stop at the Scratch Labs tent and they make you a quesadilla and give you some nutrition and then you keep going. It's not about going around the horse as fast as possible, it's about having fun. Well, the organisers of the TDU have capped the numbers, registrations to 250. So this tells me this is a test event for the future, correct? For Rattle Gravel, yeah. yeah for Rattle Gravel. This is, the, this is the test event and they're pretty much just going to find a weekend that suits the Adelaide schedule, which is a lot of events in Adelaide throughout the year. And uh, then make it into a big event, a standalone event, is my understanding, and then uh, build it up to a world class event in its own right. Now, Bandy, you haven't retired, so you say, from racing competitively, and uh, but you, you you have been involved in television over the last couple of years with this great program. I watch it all the time, and I love it because it combines travel with uh, riding your bike, whether it be at uh, a competitive level or recreationally. It's called Trail Towns. How did this program come about and where can people see it? Yeah, it was actually when I was racing on the road. I was uh, essentially just enjoying racing on the road and I got introduced to Dieter's real mutual friend who is also on the show. Dieter and I present the show, but it was essentially a coffee shop meetup and he has a production company in Melbourne and we evolved the idea to be more for people who are not hardcore cyclists, just for recreational cyclists. So we're just enjoying showing people about cycle tourism and we can go and explore in Australia and New Zealand. So catch that on your former employers, SBS on demand. <laughs> SBS. 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 I, thought they, I thought they disappeared when you left, Tomo. They just couldn't have it going. That's the nicest um, thing you've ever said to me. Oh, Tomo, I, yeah, I felt like you were a bit, bit beaten down. No, um, now, Vandy, you're one of the most uh, dynamic um, cyclists that I know what you can do but uh, so I do want to get your thoughts on today's stage I, I'm, I'm losing Hollywood and because we're racing gravel tomorrow I know we'll have to talk about it again tomorrow yeah let's switch back to the road but I do want to I do want to hear um, your thoughts on now you do know as you mentioned just before Sam Wellsford took the stage again they had a brilliant that lead out by Bora Hansgrove and uh, the thing is everyone there was a lot of riders that had a good position but no one could come around Sam yeah, I think that was almost the definition of putting on a clinic by Bora. I was watching the final and I was like, well, Wellsford's going to win this. Like, you can call him from the UK out. We used to call him Sammy the Cat because he could just spring out really rapidly and no one could follow him. So he's sort of, he's still got those quite instincts. So I just woke up with that talking about right <laughs> 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 uh, You're a bad boy. You, you are stuff. bad. No, it seems like the sprinters, it's like, uh, I've said this on the previous podcast, they go through phases where, like, Kittle was the dominant one for years, or Cavendish, or Cavendish is always good, but, like, Caleb was winning, 
but now it seems like Welsford's about to enter into his own and it could be the Welsford era where he's one of becomes one of the best sprinters in the world because there is good sprinters here like Bauhaus is a good sprinter and he's smoking him. Caleb's a good sprinter, he's smoking him, so it could be the Wellsford era about to enter. You could might correct me here. Is it Bernie Eisel who's the DS of uh Hansborough? I'm pretty sure that is. Anyway, I, I heard think, um I, I did right. um I did hear, uh, read an article with Skate Collective with him and just talking about the development of Sam Wellsford. The challenge this year so for Sam to already have two wins, the thing is He's just, he's sort of got a lot of freedom this year because we keep, we've got to keep reminding our listeners it's an Olympic year and Sam is going for gold on the track. So trying to balance them both is quite challenging, but I think Laura giving him a lot of flexibility. Um, they're working with Cycling Australia to you know, whatever he needs to do to be in the best for, for Paris Olympics. Um, and then he's already got two wins, so it's just... It only goes, you know, it's already ticked so many boxes. When I was a kid growing up, I watched religiously the Olympics. I watched every sport, every day, every discipline. As I get older, and maybe it's my age, I don't know, but maybe there's a glutton of choice out there in terms of sport that's available for me to watch. I really don't care too much these days. I don't have the same passion for the Olympics these days. And for me, the Tour de France, for cycling, if you're a professional, why would you want to chase a gold medal when it's a one-day event if you're a roadie? Not so much mountain bikes or the other disciplines, but for a roadie, which is the professionals that earn the highest money, the most money, why would you want to go for a gold medal, a medal, an item that you're not guaranteed in getting when you are more suited for winning a three-week race off the Tour de France? Answer me that. Uh, maybe we'll get Scott McGorry on. Maybe he might disagree. But look, I do uh, agree with you. But remember we've had people on and they've sort of said winning a gold in a country like Australia is a big deal because cycling isn't as popular. So if you win a gold medal here, everyone remembers a gold medalist. Whereas the Belgian is different. Obviously, you'd want to if you won the Tour de France in Belgium, you'd be king. So it just really depends on what country. There's a lot of really. kids that grow up going, "I want to wear the green and gold." Yeah. The Olympics is the goal, and then also winning that gold. Like you know, as you say, Hollywood, it's more recognised publicly and has a much broader scope and, and popularity. That's in our culture. Yeah, very much so. But, but I am with Mike because when you see, see things like golf and tennis and break dancing in the Olympics, it's just, I just, I feel like... And even I'm soccer. Old. Yeah, soccer. It's just like really like, for me, the Olympics is track and field and swimming and mm. I don't like swimming and... And those sort of core sports, but I guess Mike, we're we're old, I guess. And no, no, are you only forty? Yeah, I'm only forty. I identify as forty anyway. And because maybe the times are moving to attract a younger audience, I need to put in break dancing and tennis and this type of stuff. Skateboarding. That should be the X Games. That's the pinnacle of all that stuff. We come back to today's stage. Um, I feel enormously for Jayco. They were doing. Uh, I think. The teams are playing with them a little bit. UAE weren't really up there. They were holding the orange, jer the orca jersey with um, Del Toro. And, uh, but because uh, everyone's really looking at the Australian team to do the work, they were on the front a lot. Luke Platt, again, was doing these enormous turns. And then the it will be feeling a little bit low, the morale, I imagine, in Jayco this evening. Well, I feel like this will always be right for the gates, though. So they've still got a really good option. And my understanding is that Right. Yeah, it's a whole tour, but 
it's um, they've lost one of their big ace in the hole. So yeah, what's coming up? Well, um, the next stage, actually, Andy, is actually is a definite sprint stage. There is the tiniest pimple uh, in the middle. So we're on to stage four. We're going from Murray Bridge to Port Elliot. It's uh, a stage which is quite far away for, from the city of ta- um, centre of town. And there's just a tiny pimple um, just near the end of it. It is very much a flat, flat breakaway day, I imagine. Sit in, recover. But a bunch of sprint finish, yeah? Very much so. Well, it's, it's crazy how much they're putting the pressure on Jaco Lewis. Like, mm. UAE should obviously be riding in front, but they're like, oh, no, this is your do it or lose. We're going like, to let you do it or and, and now also Bora can be like, well, we've already got two. We're fine. We've, we've, we've hit our KPIs for this, this season. You guys haven't won. You need Caleb to get a win. So, again, they can force him to the front. Can I ask a question about the elephant in the room? Jaco, Caleb, he finished sixth today. And even the commentators on the television coverage on Channel 7 said he'd be very disappointed with that. Okay, he was sick. He didn't compete in the Criterium last Saturday. That's almost a week ago. Am I expecting too much from Caleb? If it's COVID, which I've heard rumours it was COVID, well, then maybe not, because you do, that's hard to come back from quite, you know, quickly. If it's a cold Well, he shouldn't be racing at all if he's got COVID. No, but no, he's obviously over it, but there's those lingering effects. I don't know, just someone on the road today at the cafe when I was getting the caramel slice told me that. (laughs) (laughs) So it might not be gospel. Yeah. Caramel slice too. Well, let me remind you of the uh, GC after three stages. And this uh, young fellow, Isaac Del Toro, Tour de Lavenir winner. When was that? Three years? Last year. Wow. He's just bounced onto the scene, got signed by UAE the next day, and here he is. Hasn't he got a big future? Yeah, and they're saying they're just literally, they're just letting him go. They're just saying, you know, you do what you think you do because they have... The, the world is his oyster. They're just saying we don't really know what he's capable of yet. He's so young. Remind us of the former Tour de Lavenir winners who have gone on to bigger and better things off well, the top of your head. Well, I think that we all, uh, Tadej Pogacar, um, Egan Bernal, uh, uh, Hinley was there as well on the, on the, on the podium. It's, it, it, it very much is, the Tour de Lavenir, is, it's called the, you know, the, the future Tour de France. It's, uh, it, it does give you that insight into who, who's coming. Um, and um, Kian Uchenbrooks, who uh, won it two years ago and he was obviously uh, in the press enormously during the off-season um, when he jumped from Bora to Yumbo for enormous money because they know of his potential having won the Tour de Lavenir. So yeah, it's a great event that Black Sheep sponsor. Um, but yeah, I think he'd just be loving the experience. So can you imagine him being like, oh, this world tour, she's a piece of piss, mate. Well, he'll probably hold the uh, leader's jersey after stage four and then you've got the weekend race, which the summit finishes both days. I'm curious to see how this young fella, 20 years of age, goes on the hills. What do you I, think? I, I, I think Yates will now. I'm all on Yates now. I was all on the We're on the Yates train. On the Yates train, are we? Got the best bike, so, you know, <laughs> I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm all on Yates now. Well, Corbin Strong, the Kiwi, got it right this time, from the Israeli, the Israel Premier Tech team is two seconds behind. Axel... Marriott, a Frenchman from Cofidus, five seconds in arrears, and then you've got uh, Biriam Gourmet from Intermarche Wanty, seven seconds behind. That's going to change, obviously, this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it's irrelevant on GC, isn't it, at the moment? It's kind of, uh, what have you got, two times up for longer? So it's going to sort everyone 
And then you've got the lofty finish on Sunday, the finale. And also, Mike, expecting a sprint tomorrow, if one of those, UAE don't need to do anything, because if one of those guys wins the sprint on bonus seconds, they'll take the Orca jersey. Um, so it could very much change uh, change tomorrow as well. Well, I like Toro. I hope he keeps on, keeps on, uh, hangs, hangs on to that leader's yeah, jersey. You are on the Toro band. I'm on the Toro band. <laughs> you know what he's like. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't just like, take much. I just no, like no. the fact that he's a he Mexican. He Tomo, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that he's a Mexican. You don't uh, hear of Mexicans uh, yeah. uh, on the world tour much. So it's fresh. It's He's new. He's fresh. He's from a different country. It's great. Vandy, I want to know about you and uh, how much interest you have in the professional world tour these days. Uh, you are a mountain biker, you're, you're into the dirt events, cyclocross, etc. you follow the big world tour races? Oh, I think road is the pinnacle of the sport of cycling with the Tour de France. That's pretty hard to deny that. It's, it's on everyone's television sets in July and it's the most watched sport in the world. So I think, yeah, I still love watching the tour. I also do get into the Giro, but I'm, I'm not a huge, um, I don't follow what's happening week in, week out. I do, yeah, do obviously listen to the domestiques every episode that comes out. That's, uh, that's obviously a given. You correct, and me. correct answer. You and my mom. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I just enjoy, uh, I enjoy the stories and the different, uh, different superstars coming up. I thought there was going to be a bit of a lull. I mean, there was a little bit of a lull in my opinion, but now with like Pogacar, Vindegaard, all these super super riders with um vanderpol mvdp with the same initials in the surname i'm dutch he's dutch so yeah i've got strong connections there to the uh superstars of the sport so i definitely follow it and do you think the uci are doing the right thing by combining all of the cycling discipline disciplines and putting it into one festival like they did in glasgow last year i'm not a massive fan of that was that i think that the disciplines are strong enough to be yes. spread out over a longer period of time um, and then you've got people across discipline like Vanderpoel who's got this crazy schedule and if he wins world champs and then has to go and race cross country race in a couple of days then he yeah. falls down his chances of being successful in different dis disciplines and I don't think that's fair on the athletes. And, and just on Vanderpoel, hasn't he had a good cyclocross season over in Europe this winter? Um, well unbelievable but I mean he won 32 out of 30 four races a couple of seasons ago, so it's not uncommon for him to win every race. So You know what I reckon? I reckon Rob Van Aert is just saving his legs now for the professional season. Um, he's done his time in cyclocross, hasn't he? Well, imagine if you were constantly the bridesmaid to someone. It gets a bit old after a while. Like, if you're constantly second, like, I would just get beat down and be like, ah, stuff this, I'm going to go do something else. Like, but, just... he, but he keeps backing up. Well... Yeah, he's definitely good, but he's just not quite as good. If he was born in a different era, if he was born 10 years later or 10 years earlier, he would have won hundreds of cyclocross races. But put him on the road. Put him on the road. Well, has got the edge over Matthew Vanderpoel. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I was called champion. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. Yeah, See, it's my age. Bringing it back to the Tour Down Under. So the women's crit is on tonight, 7.30. Oh, might be on the cheeky sideline. Yeah. <laughs> I raced last night at the crit. In the... Are you racing? No, I'm not. I'm not. Does he chance to beat all the world tour riders? Yeah, I know. I now do. Pretty sure I would beat them as well. Yeah, no, I'd definitely beat them around that bottom corner with 
only eight of us going for the same corner at once. Um, so that's on tonight, Channel 7. This will already have been run by the time you hear this. But And then tomorrow we have the gravel event. I have just picked up a brand new Cervelo Espero 5. Rode it for the first time today. Very exciting. So I've got a brand new bike for it. And it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be tough tomorrow. There's actually a, a stacked women's and men's field to have come down um, for the event. Who's the favourites of each? Yeah, it's a good. I think Trekkie, Brendan Johnston for the men. Oh, he's on a giant. That makes settle sense. Down, settle down. <laughs> and uh, I think the guys that have gone harder on um, in their nationals prep. Um, so there's him and and, and another um, bloke that I've just forgotten his name from WA Blaze. Uh, I think. And then I think it. Connor sends the Australian champ would do well, but he did ride from Melbourne to Adelaide as you do. Uh, in the women's side. Uh, I think the dark horse would be Samara Shepherd, actually, the Kiwi oh, Australian yes. base. Um, and then I'd say um, Tip obviously has her secrets. She'll have backways and yes. secret routes that she'll get there. Are you through, a chance? So. Is Matilda Reynolds a chance? Uh, or Heidi Friends will be the other one. I'll make an appearance. But, uh, As you always I, do. I, 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 I don't <laughs> So, two, yeah, two pray for me when I'm out there. 2,000 metres in 100 kilometres. Yeah, around McLaren Vale. Did you do a recce? Because everyone's talking about the wall. It's like a 10-minute climb straight yeah. up. But you know how... Yeah, it sounds bad. The wall is straight out of the start line. It's going to split the, all the people, which would be great. Unlike Gravelista, where we went downhill to start with and people lost their fingers. Um, the wall... It, the thing is... When you ride it by yourself, it seems a lot worse than when you're in a race because in a race it's going to move a lot quicker. In saying that, I'll have 200. It'll probably be. I'll probably blow up on that moment. So 200 meters out of the gate, blowing up. It's going to be a tough day. So looking forward to it. Hey, Vandy, Paul Vanderpluk. Thanks so much for joining us. One more question from me: Is television your future when you turn 40 like he has, or 50 like He's I have? Very young TV. I know he was, but I'm talking full time. What's what's your future hold? Oh, I'm enjoying doing a bit more media. I think it's a lot less pressure than trying to win bike races, and I enjoy doing the media stuff. I hope people enjoy what we're trying to do, which is just promote people going and exploring on their bike, whatever form of bike they choose. And I think, yeah, getting on that mainstream media and getting the message across to the broader public, not the hardcore cyclists, is always quite a fun little challenge. Trail Towns is the program, and you'll see it on SBS. Great program. I like watching that program on ABC called Backroads. It's a cycling's version of, of Backroads, I think. <laughs> you are of that generation, are you? It's a road program. It's a road program where you visit the different Geriatrics going around to... Oh, come uh, on, Till. I expected a lot more from you, Matilda Reynolds. That's it from us. Thank you. for Before we go, I just want to say a big get stuffed to Race Atlas today because I rode with them. I got told we're going on a nice ride and we did like 2,200 metres and 120k, 130k. Oh, you're a broken and man. And I hated every minute of it. So I just want to say a big get stuff to the guys. Chris Papacostas and the guys from Race Atlas get stuff. Oh, they'll do anything to have their name on Don't the domestics. Don't them work at Honan, so just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, just on thank that, you. thank you to Honan's. Thank you to Ord Minette. Thank you to Black Sheep. Those shorts look magnificent they on do. you. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. And you, um, uh, I have always forever loved the energy that you've brought to our sport. Absolutely. It can be pretty stiff and straight and too serious, and Definitely. it needs characters yeah. across the board. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, and don't change. Time for a man hug. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> Come back to join. Cut <laughs> <laughs> <Stop> that. Leave that in. 
the domestics by Black Sheep Sideman.